Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Are you glad you came to church today? Listen, we are continuing our series on Christ is King. Um, Before I get into it today, just a reminder, next week is child dedication. So you can go to our website and you can sign up for that. It's just a great time of celebrating, dedicating our children to the Lord as a church family. It's a really special moment. So um, you don't want to miss that. That's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to continue the series today on Christ is King. And we established last week that Jesus is not a king that is to come. His kingship isn't something that's in the future. His kingship is something that is now and right here. That there is no realm of our world that does not fall underneath the kingship and authority of Christ. And we understood this and we allowed the scriptures to to prove this to us and reveal the authority of Christ. And we opened up the scriptures and read and we saw that Christ was given all authority in heaven and on earth. Most of us are fine with Jesus having all authority in heaven, but when we say on earth, we go out really. And so we began to look at what does it look like for us to live out the reality that Christ is king today, right now? What does it look like in our world? What does it look like in the plan of God and why we are here as believers? And so we're gonna continue to lean into this series and it's gonna challenge us deeply. But it was, it, it, for us, it was us re-looking at the kingship of Jesus because so many believers don't fully understand that his kingship is today. It is real. And we, we also read that Christ took the full authority back from Satan to himself as to rule and reign of the earth, and then he gave that authority to believers. Now, today's message, as I was really praying about this and, and laboring over it, and, and it has deeply impacted me. It's deeply impacted me because this is very challenging today. And before we talk about the application of the kingship of Christ and exercising the crown rights of Jesus in every area of our world and society, before we... we, we pinpoint these areas that we want to bring Jesus glory in these areas of society through our lives and applying God's word there to bring him glory. As I was processing through this, I I really, I felt like the Lord was asking me a really fundamental, crucial question that is for us today in the application of this reality. That before we need, before we actually apply the crown rights of Jesus in the world around us, We need to ask a question. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you as an individual to live under the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ? We do always want to apply that to the world around us, but until ourselves as Christians fully understand this idea and really submit ourselves under his lordship, under his kingship, Before we apply it, before we we walk it out in in our lives, we first need to look at me. We need to look at what does it look like for me to live under his kingship. 
What does it mean for me to apply the Word of God in every area of my life? What does it mean for me to fully understand and submit under the kingship of Jesus? And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to spend today and for sure next Sunday as well asking God to speak to us, asking God to do a great work in us. And I'll begin this today by sharing with you a conversation I had with a, a minister from the UK. I, I had a really, I was privileged to get to know him as, as, a, uh, as, as a friend. He was in his 80s and he's gone on to be with the Lord. His name was Jim Graham. And he was really known within the UK as he, he began, he taught about the things of the Spirit and really introduced the, the gifts of the Spirit, the idea of the, of, of the Spirit moving through the church and the Baptist Union in the UK. And God, God used him and he was very well known and he was from Scotland and he got his theological degree from uh, Edinburgh School of Theology. And I love listening to him talk because he rolled his R's and it always sounded super cool. And, but I, I was talking with him one day and we were talking about the reality of in Europe and in the UK, how he was able to, to watch. He had a front row seat on the de-Christianization of the UK. Now the UK has a great spiritual heritage. They have the great revivals of the world began in the UK. So he, over his ministry of almost 60 years in pulpit ministry, had watched the de-Christianization of the nation that he actually invested so much into spiritually. And so we were talking about how the rise of humanism and secularism, and we were talking about how this happened, and this is what he said. He said, Jason, the greatest tragedy of the UK church and its impotence in transforming the culture is because the church was more concerned about making converts than making disciples. Now, I'm not, I'm not speaking about the church per se today, but his statement does speak to the reality of where many people are today. There was a movement, I would even say, in, in the American church, I would strongly say it, that there was a movement to get more butts in the seats than actually make disciples. There was a movement to, to try to make our churches big and somehow that would justify that we're really not making disciples today. So just as in the UK, as, as the church began to be concerned about converts and not really offend people because if you offend them, they won't come to your church. And what happened is the ripple effect of that decision was felt deeply in society. And as you look at our own nation today, you can see the same thing. That the world that we live in, our nation, our city, our schools, our families, we have converts, but there's very few disciples. And you could say we have many Christians today, but you could also say we have very few disciples. 
And both words imply a relationship with Christ. But the word disciple is about an ongoing interaction, an ongoing relationship, an ongoing growth in the life of Jesus Christ. It is about following him. And you can be a Christian, but not actually obey or desire to obey everything within the Word of God and within the person of Jesus Christ. The disciples were called disciples. But there used to be a a lot more disciples that would hang around. And many times when Jesus would start saying some very difficult things, they kind of scattered a bit. There would be hundreds and then all of a sudden, if they didn't like what he was saying, there would there was the 12 left. And Jesus would say, hey boys, you, you gonna leave too? And Peter answered that question. He said, Lord, where else can we go? For in you are the words of life. This morning, this message is a, I would call it a discipleship message. A discipleship message ultimately speaking to what does it mean to live as Jesus as your king? What does it mean? What are the implications of that reality which we we proved last week throughout scripture? Because you can live and go to church and call yourself a Christian and call Jesus Lord, but not be a disciple. You can actually know all the words, but actually not be carrying out the mission and the purpose of why Jesus called you. Jesus made this statement that's very clear. It's a very clear distinction to what I'm speaking to this morning between disciples and Christians. In Luke 6:42, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not do what I tell you. Now I know that we're not perfect and we are being conformed into the image of Christ, meaning we are in process. And I know that we're not going to live and obey perfectly everything that the word says and, and, and calls us to be and to do. We know that. But being a disciple is the intention of the heart is to please Christ and to bring him glory through your life. So when you, when you find something that, is, that, that you need to, to ask the Lord to work in your life, you, you ask him to, you recognize that you, you're on a journey. We saw the disciples, they walked with Jesus and they weren't perfect. I mean, they, they, they walked by the city that rejected Jesus and the disciples are like, hey, a couple of them were like, hey, should we call down fire from heaven and destroy the, the city? And Jesus is like, where have you been? Like, really? So they were in process, like we are. But when he corrected them, they responded to that correction. And I want us to think back today as we lean into this of what does it look like for you to live under the complete rule and reign of Christ. What does it mean to 
position the, the direction of your heart to please him, to honor him, to give him what his kingship rightly deserves. So think back today when you first received salvation. Think back around the season of that time and how you were like, Jesus, you can have it all. You can take it all. You can have, you can have my life, have my future, have my money, have my car, have my house, have my job. You can take, you can have it all. And think of the exhilaration of, of, of your heart and the position of your heart. Jesus, I want you to take my life and I want you to use it. And I want you to do whatever you want with it. And think about even at that time, like if, if you weren't married when you got sick, so you were thinking, when I get married, God, my family's gonna bring glory to you. When we have children, our children are going to be raised to glorify your name. And think back to that moment, and I want you just to dwell on it for a, for a moment, and, and think of the significance of that time. Think of what it felt like. Think of what Christ meant to you. Think of the passion that dwelt in your heart. Think of the gratefulness that he has shattered the cage of sin that had you locked and you were free. As I prepared this message, I was deeply impacted. And even this morning in our pre-service with the volunteers, and this is not a word to condemn. This is not a word to make us feel bad. This is a word that defines what it means to be a disciple. I remember in my own personal life when there were these key moments that God would that I, I have this memory of God impacting my life. Even though I, I was young, I, I, I remembered, I remembered me giving my life to Jesus. I remembered in my teenage years and when there was little, there was rebellion in my life and I remember repenting and realigning my life with Jesus and the, and the call that I sensed that God's hand was on my life. that God loved me and he saved me and he redeemed me for a purpose. I remember the moments as I've walked with God that he would remind me of that call. But I also, and every one of us who would be followers of Jesus, can do the same, but we can also, and I also remembered the moments when there were clarity and I realized I had drifted from what God had called me to be and to do. Many of us here remember the moment. We remember the exhilaration. But I want you to think back. Go back to that moment and what was, what was the life that Jesus called us to? What was that life that you could return to and feel the exhilaration of that and the, and the, and the, and the invitation to transform the world around you? 
What was the life that he purchased? What did his blood purchase? And what was the life in that moment that you sensed, man, that's what I want, God. I want to be all in for you. When we were saved by him, what was the trajectory that he had in mind for us? When we tasted his freedom and pictured the life that we would have years from that moment, the question for us, are we still living in the expectation of what God wants to do through our lives that we used to believe that he wanted to? Or are we spiritually in the place we thought we would be today? Are we fully submitted under the kingship and lordship of Christ? And if you can articulate that moment and think back to that time, the question for us is, does your life look like that? When his word was planted into my life and your life, the gospel came and planted into the soil of our hearts. What was the intended fruit that Jesus had for you and me? Jesus says this in Matthew 13, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. So as you can see, there's a, there's a purpose for the, 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 the seed. There's a purpose for why Jesus called you, that he would bear fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. So what Jesus is saying here, that there are three types of growth that can take place in our life when God plants his seed in our heart. There's a hundred, hundredfold growth, there's 60, and there's 30-fold. And I believe what God wants to say to us today as we're into this second message is don't be, dis, don't be satisfied in being a 30-fold Christian. The Lord is inviting us to submit all areas of our life underneath his lordship for us to become a hundredfold disciple. The question is, how do we get there? That's the big question. How do I live under the kingship of Christ in every area of my life? And I believe this is an invitation from the Lord this morning that God is inviting us into live the hundredfold life. So how do, we, how, how do we obtain this life that Jesus spoke of? How do we walk underneath his kingship and we see him working in every area of our lives? Jesus is our example. And when you look at Jesus, you see that Jesus lived the hundredfold life. Jesus set the example for us. He purchased our identity. He, he purchased the stewardship of, a, of the world as the perfect human being who was fully man and fully God. He gave it to us, but there was an intended outcome that we could walk out this hundredfold life. He set the example and showed us, showed us what does it look like to live a hundredfold life in a fallen world. But there was a key to his hundredfold life. 
He showed us the key. He showed us what our lives were to look like if we were to walk out this hundredfold life under his kingship. And so he answered the question of how to live a hundredfold life. John 12, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is, again, this is not a, a convert message today. This is a discipleship message. Jesus was not talking about a, 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 a literal kernel of wheat. He was talking about his life and telling us if we want to produce much fruit with our life, then you need to follow in my footsteps and die. What an encouraging message. You see, the call to be a disciple of Jesus and living underneath his authority in his kingdom. Yes, it's about being his workmanship. Yes, it's about being his ambassador. Yes, it's about growing in relationship with him. Yes, it's about being, uh, being used of him and applying his word and truth into areas of our world and where he has established you. Yes, it's, it, it is for us to walk out the full implication of what God wants to do through us and in us and be used by him to, for, for us to pray and be a part of his kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven. But the foundation and reality of all of that happening through our lives is directly connected to this reality that we are to die every day to ourselves. And it's not easy. That's why it's called dying. Because there are times that you feel literally like you are dying. This is what Jesus said about those who were going to be his disciples. Anyone, Luke 9, would come after me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We live in a world that says, hey, the culture of our time and our world says, hey, come and I will show you what life really is. But the ultimate destination actually is death. Jesus says, come and I will give you life to the fullest. And that ultimate application is actually us dying to ourselves. See, this cross that he's talking about, though, is not the cross to pay for our sins. Jesus fully and completely did that on the old cross. Paid the full price. But this is the new cross. And so what is this new cross that we are, if we're to live in the full authority and kingship of Christ over our life, what, what is this, this new cross? What is he talking about? Well, this new cross is, reminds us of who we are now in Christ. 
It reminds us of what Jesus saved us from. It reminds us of the identity that he transformed and gave us a new identity. It reminds us that we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness and have been set in the kingdom of light. It reminds us that once we were enemies with God, but now we are friends of God. This cross is about us examining our life every day and that which doesn't belong to the identity that God declares over us in his word, we're to crucify it on that cross. The cross Jesus is referring to is about us living from our new lives and applying that life over our actions over our family, over what he's put in our hands, what he's called us to do and to be, and not to live from the desires of the flesh, but to walk in the spirit. I think if all of us were to just evaluate for a moment this morning, all of us could speak to and lay before the Lord areas of our life that we have, we have kind of brought outside of the Lordship of Jesus. And we can live the 30-fold, we could live the 60-fold, but also there's an option for us to live the 100-fold life. There's an option for us to to allow him to transform us and to change us and to bring us into a harvest that's greater than anything we could ever imagine. This is an invitation from God for us to embrace what it looks like to follow him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. Paul speaks to this idea that we have a choice in our life. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit. So in other words, there's an option to walk by the flesh. How many here have ever done something in the flesh? Raise your hand. All right, good. All right, just want to make sure. We all have. And it was an option. It was a choice. And Paul encourages us to walk by the Spirit. And if you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, under the kingship of Christ, there is a heart that's turned towards Jesus that says, Lord, this is not about what I want. This is not about my vision. This is not about my dreams. This is not about what I want. This is not about what I have determined is best for me. This is a full and absolute submission to the kingship of Christ, that he would have every right and you would come into alignment with everything that he says and he calls us to be, he invites us to be. Now in return, we begin a beautiful and powerful and life-giving relationship with Jesus. No one who has laid down 
these things in their life has said, oh, that was a waste of time. We've all surrendered these things. We've all been in a process of, God, can you come and cleanse me? And Lord, I, I want to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And, and we've walked away from moments with God that we were delighted and filled with joy and filled with peace. And somehow we've made our way back and we picked those things right back up. There are things that we have scooted out from the kingship of Christ just to be like, hey, that's all right, I'll get this. This is for me, Jesus, and then these are for you. There have been things that we have excluded from allowing the actions of our life to bring glory to Christ. Every one of us here has done that. And the invitation to you is that God has called you to live the hundredfold life, but it will cost you. Now, it'll be the greatest joy that you've ever experienced in your life. But the call to live fully under his kingship is the call to come and die. Die to the counsel of the world, die to the counsel of culture, die to the, to the anxious voice running in your head that forces you to act out in the flesh, die to your sexual desires that don't allow, align with Christ and his word, die to you having ownership over your family, your marriage, that you are a steward. He's the owner of our finances, of our life. This is a call to, to die to the American dream and live out the kingdom reality of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is about us applying the full lordship and kingship of Christ in every area of our lives. And it's a gentle invitation. And it's an invitation that he wants to be manifested in your life so that you can walk out and live what he called you to live. It's also an invitation that, that isn't considering the things of your past. It's an invitation that actually cleanses you and gives you a new start and said, all right, let's live out this hundredfold life. It's an invitation from him to you today. And it's a question of our king that when he identifies something in our life, he says, can I have that? Will, will you give that to me? Will you give me ownership of that? There's a story of a, an older preacher who's gone on to be with the Lord. He's a great Bible scholar and he tells a story as he was struggling with seeing kind of the, the fruit, the hundredfold fruit in his life. And, 
He went to a missionary that he known that he knew, and he was like, I just, how come I'm not seeing these things in my life? How come I'm not seeing this in the ministry that I'm doing and what I'm putting in my hands? I'm not seeing the hundredfold life. I'm not seeing these things. These things. And so the this missionary just asked him one simple question. He says, Have you given everything over to Jesus? And so F.B. Meyer tells this story how he went to meet with the Lord and he was like, Lord, I've given you everything, man. I I've tried to live my life for you. I I I I'm I'm a pastor. I I've tried to surrender all these things to you. And he said in his mind, he, he saw Jesus before him and, and he re- realized at the moment he had a, a ring of keys and every key there just represented an area of his life. And behind Jesus was these cabinets and each cabinet represented a portion of his life and each key would go to that cabinet. And so he, in his mind, he gave these keys to Jesus. He says, Jesus, you can have everything, have access to everything. He said that in that moment, he knew in this vision he was having that he had a key in his pocket. And Jesus knew he had a key there too. And he, he spoke and he said, I, I, I knew this key actually was for that small cabinet up there and, and in there are my selfish ambitions and in there are what I want in my life and in there are, are the things that I want to, I, I, I want those. I want control of those. I wanna be the one that says if I can use those or not. I wanna be the one that holds ownership of those things. And he said in a moment, he made a decision. You can have that key. So he reached in his pocket and in the moment he he felt this major resistance like, no, 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 don't do that. You've given up so much for Christ already. You've you've already sacrificed this. You've already given them everything else. Just, why can't you just keep that one little box? And he said, by the grace of God, He gave Jesus that key. He said immediately Jesus went to that area and began just pulling everything out. He said, then I found myself fully surrendered and vulnerable before my king. And he said from that moment on, Everything changed in his life. He began to see the hundredfold things take place. The question for us today is we're gonna spend a few moments in prayer and worship is what is that key for you? What is that area that you have avoided giving Jesus full authority? You're you're thinking of it right now. You, You know what it is. What is it that you feel like you must maintain control of that area? 
What is it that you're justifying and rationalizing why actually you really shouldn't surrender that to Jesus? And I believe the Lord today wants to do a great work in all of our lives. And it's a simple question from Christ. Can I have it all? Will you give it all to me? It's going to take some of us. We're going to have to wrestle through this. But the wrestling is what's the crucifying. The wrestling is the cross. If it was easy, Jesus wouldn't say we'd have to pick up our cross daily. Crosses aren't easy. But this is what I know, that we serve a God who has given us his spirit that equips us and empowers us to obey him when we enact our will with the desire to do so. But recognizing I don't have the power in myself to do it. So it's a simple prayer of, Lord, I want you to have it. Will you help me to give it to you? Lord, I want you to have this area. Will you help me to give it to you? Will you help me surrender it to you? And the great joy is what happens on the other side is you're actually, that which you thought you owned actually owned you. And you begin to experience what Jesus calls the hundred fold life if we can let's stand to our feet over the next few moments we're going to worship and seek God together but I want to ask you and invite you as my church family that together we would surrender. That you would surrender personally and individually. And that over these next few moments, you would not let them pass by or, or be bored by them. That you would go before your king and say, you can have it all. So I'm gonna pray and then I want you to feel free you can come to the altar, you can kneel where you are, you can stand, you can, whatever you want to do. I just, I want to invite you, let's do business with Christ today. And let's position ourselves by our own will under his full authority. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we invite you here over these next few moments. We invite you to come and grace graciously reveal things in our life that we have not put underneath your kingship and over the next few moments give us your strength to give them to you in Jesus name
We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.